Good afternoon, folks. It's that time again. It's time for the Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, joined in studio as usual by my trusty executive director, John Schneider, and Dandy Daryl Grandy, the magician that makes all the stuff happen here and gets our voice out to you over the airwaves, as well as to the podcast where we're available on both Apple, Amazon, and Spotify under the Elephant in the Room. So folks, you know, this is a big day today because it's the first weekend after Labor Day. And Labor Day traditionally is the kickoff of election season, although I've been telling people for quite a while, the last three years, since Act 77 was passed in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, that because mail-in ballots can officially be released up to 50 days before an election, that the election campaign actually needs to start earlier. Well, some news for you. Uh, it's anticipated that the mail-in ballots here in Allegheny County will not go into the mail until sometime during the first 10 days of October. Now, we have a different race, a uh, special election, that's up here in the Pennsylvania 21st House Legislative District. Uh, that's to fill the seat of uh, Sarah Inamorato, who resigned to run for county executive. And we'll talk about that briefly in a few minutes. I joined in studio as well by the Republican nominee for that, Aaron Connolly Ottenreit. But before we get into that, folks, I want to touch on something. Last weekend, you know, it was a disappointing weekend here because we saw increasing crime in Allegheny County. Despite the efforts of some, uh, increased police patrols in the south side, downtown, and things of that nature, we had a shooting, I think it was, la- well, last Wednesday, we had a uh, break-in at Brooks Brothers downtown, uh, smash and grab at their store. We had a shooting, I believe, on Thursday at uh, right there at Smithfield Street and Strawberry Way where a man was shot and killed another man and woman wounded. Over the weekend on the south side in the south side flats, we had a man beaten with a brick and uh, shots were fired there as well. Folks, it just keeps happening. You know, we had a number of other instances where the SWAT teams were called out in McKeesport for shootings and other issues. Folks, things aren't getting better here. And this goes right to the message that I've been trying to convey here for the last couple of years, and that's that it's time for a change. You know, Einstein said the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over, yet expecting different results. We can't do the same thing over and over and expect things to get better. Now, you know, Democrats, particularly in the city, Mayor Ganey, they're doing their best, and when I say best, to try to cover over temporarily a problem. And by that, I mean, you know, the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police is understaffed to the tune of 130-plus officers underneath their budgeted amount. So they're deploying extra patrols on the south side. They're they're deploying extra patrols downtown. These officers are being called out and forced to work overtime because there's not enough officers there. And there's about another 240 that could go off and go into retirement here at any time. And so we are in desperate need. We're in a crisis situation here from a police staffing perspective, you know, here in the city of Pittsburgh, as well as in other departments throughout the county. In my meetings with police chiefs and the, uh, the, the chief association, they tell me that they're not getting anywhere near the number of uh, applicants for open positions that they used to get. 
And a lot of that is due to the, basically the assault on law enforcement and our police officers in our communities by the left. You know, it started well before, but it picked up increasing steam during the George Floyd protests, you know, back in 2020. Folks, we need to make a change. We can't, again, keep doing the same thing over and over again. When you go to the polls, we need to take and elect Joe Rocky to be the next county executive. And we need to take and reelect Steve Zappala to be our district attorney. Now, let me explain something, tell you about something else that happened there prior to last weekend. Because this gets to something else that's got me going nuts today. Okay? But uh, the attorney general's office, in conjunction with the district attorney's office task force, they arrested a man from New York at the Greyhound bus station on August 31st. He was trafficking. He was holding and carrying over 450,000 doses of fentanyl. Now, for folks who don't know, I mean, fentanyl is an incredibly deadly substance. It kills at least two residents of Allegheny County every day. And it's responsible for over 100,000 deaths a year in this country nationwide. So they arrested this guy, and there is a judge, a district judge named Xander Orenstein. Xander Orenstein, he took and let this guy out, released him with no monetary bail. Mm-hmm. Now, they're letting these people back out on the streets. Now, let me tell you about Judge Orenstein, okay? Judge Orenstein's only legal experience, he has no legal training or experience. He's a CMU graduate and a community activist. Now, he won by 39 votes when he ran for magistrate, passed the basic training for people elected as magistrates with no legal background. He considers himself non-binary and is proud of being the first non-binary elected as a district judge. Look, I don't care how anybody considers themselves or comports themselves, but I do expect them when you're a district judge to enforce the law and to protect the folks here at home. And when this guy let this guy from New York, again, with 450,000 doses of fentanyl back onto the street with no monetary bail, folks, this is unacceptable. And this what leads me to what I wanted to talk about briefly was, you know, our justice system is a complex mechanism here. We have police officers who investigate and who arrest bad actors on charges based upon, you know, whatever law that they've they've broken. Our district attorney's office is responsible for taking and charging these folks and putting a case together to take and present them to the court. But judges, judges are supposed to hold these folks accountable to provide them justice under the law. Everyone's innocent until proven guilty, but you don't take and allow people that are such a risk to the safety of the community back out onto the street, you know, again, with nothing to hold them. This guy's from New York. I would bet that this guy's in the wind and we'll never see him again, okay? And Judge Ornstein is responsible. And I've told you before, and I'll say it again, as long as I'm breathing, I'm going to call these judges out. I called out uh, former Judge Mick Pappas when he refused to sign the bench warrant for the guy that had shot and killed the Uber driver out in Penn Hills. I called out Judge Anthony Mariani when he let a guy go, a convicted felon, who was arrested with an M4, an AK-47, and a Glock 
and charges were dropped and he was allowed to be released. Folks, you have to understand how the whole system works and how it's tied together. And a failure in any one part of this system makes the whole thing go down the drain. And that's something that we can ill afford to have continue to happen here in Allegheny County. You need to be aware of it. You need to be cognizant of it. And you have to make the right decisions when you go to the polls. So that's enough. I'm off my soapbox now. I'll take a breath. And I want to introduce the Republican nominee for the Pennsylvania House here in the 21st Legislative District, Aaron Connolly Othenright. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to introduce myself to the listeners. Well, that hey, well, one, we're happy to have you, and that's exactly why we have the show, okay? Right. And because I know that you've been uh, interviewed, you know, by Channel Two. I think John Delano did a television interview on you. Folks may be able to find that at the KDKA television website if they'd like. Uh, I know that there's an article coming out. Uh, the Associated Press also interviewed you, but to our listeners here who are just getting to hear from Aaron the first time, we want to give you an opportunity to be able to tell them who you are, a little bit about your background, why you're running, and what you hope to accomplish if you were to be elected to be the next state representative for the 21st District. Thank you, Sam. Uh, my name is Aaron. My maiden name is Connolly. I was born in McKees Rocks. I was raised in a democratic working class family. My father was the mayor of McKees Rocks in the 70s, and my mother, Olga, for 30 years, was on the borough council in McKees Rocks. Wow, so you come from a political family. Oh, I tell everybody, our dining room, you know, the buff buffet, uh -huh. if you opened a drawer, you found street lists. Oh, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> I grew up with street lists, and anyone new to the neighborhood, my mother would knock on the door, and she would register them to vote. And I, I also tell the story that my mother only got up early two days a year, the primary and the election day, because she had to be at the polls by six o'clock, but not for the rest of us six kids. No, she didn't get up early for us. But it was a good experience because I feel like I learned people coming to the house, uh, talking about neighborhood issues and how my parents handled them. But my parents weren't the Democrats that are out there today. They were very fiscally responsible, very job-oriented in the neighborhood, very interested in cleaning things up. Um, the policemen, you know, were praised and honored and respected, and everyone respected them. So it was, uh, it was a good experience. I'll go on to say I went to a Catholic grade school, St. Francis de Sales. Our grade school... Our high school closed when I was in the eighth grade, so I had to go to Canavan High School, which is located not far from this studio in Green Tree. And our former Lieutenant Governor, Catherine Baker Knoll, one year drove me to high school. Oh, wow. I went to school with her son, Albert. So uh, she would pick us up at the food land on Churchers Avenue because she lived across the street mm -hmm. and um, took us to Green Tree. And then she went on to the state building, which was downtown, I think, on Liberty to the right when you got off. Yep, it absolutely was. Right right after you came across the Fort Pitt Bridge, it was to the right there. Yeah, so there's always somebody else in the car with her talking about some issue that day because, you know, they always say, like, if you want to talk to somebody, get a plane ticket next to them or park your car and drive into town with oh, them. So I feel like, the, you know, the three of us kids were in the back seat, you know, it was a big car, mm -hmm. but in the front was always politics going on, so... 
Um, and then another interesting thing, when I was in grade school, I think it was seventh grade, Max Homer was our state representative. And we went on a field trip to Harrisburg and we had lunch in the cafeteria at the state building. So I kind of feel like, hmm, I think that was a prelude to what I was supposed to someday be in that building again. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yes, maybe destiny. <laughs> I thought it was a little bit there, of a right? destiny. So I feel um, I've always been interested in politics. I've probably, you know, a, a reader of it and a visitor of Washington, D.C., and um, my ex-husband was a big Civil War um, person. Mm -hmm. So we went to many battlefields. So I feel like, you know, a lot of that was all tied together with... So who's an aficionado of history? Yeah, right? yeah you know. Yeah, really, was really uh, very much interested in, in the history of our Civil War. Yeah, and, and I'm also like um, just second generation. All four of my grandparents, two came from Ireland, and two came from the Carpathian Russian Mountains. So they all arrived in Pittsburgh, I think, around 19... 10 to 1920. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of that immigrant background, um, hardworking, um, get an education, you know, that, 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 I feel like in a way that kind of ties me to this, to my district. I'm a hardworking, common sense candidate. I'm not extremely conservative and I'm not liberal. I'm more in the middle Listen to both sides, but I feel, I really feel like I'm, a, on, the, on, a, on another note, I'm a Libra. I was born on September 28th, and the sign for the Libra is the scales. And I really feel in my whole life, that's always what I've done was, okay, there's this side and there's this side. But really, how do you really judge it? And what is, what is the best for the people? I will be 66 years old in a couple mm -hmm. of weeks. I've worked since 1973 at the Shop and Save in Kennedy Township <laughs> was when I started. So uh, I've worked in many, many jobs, but I'm not ready to give up yet. I still have a lot more in me to give, and I feel like this is a good opportunity. And th this is the next step for me, is the, is, um, the state rep for the 21st District. And I really feel I will be a good representation for the citizens, all of the citizens, because I will hear both sides of most situations. And I'm not looking to enrich my future and be there for 10 years or anything like that. I'm not, I'm there to do a good job in a short amount of time. Well, that helps us understand, you know, a little bit about your background and why you've got reached this point. But help tell our listeners why, if they're a member or they're a voter in the 21st District, they should vote for you. What are the issues that you're going to push and pursue at the state level, you know, that would take and benefit them? Because I believe at the end of the day, when people go into the ballot box, you know, whether they cast their vote by mail from the convenience of their living room, <clears throat> excuse me, or why they do it at the polls, they believe somehow, some way, that that's going to take and it uh, benefit them or their families or you know, their grandchildren, whatever. So tell us why you believe that they should support you and really tell the listeners. Well, I think there's three basic issues that I'm the most interested in. And Sam brought it up. The number one is crime. It's not just crime. It's the fear of crime. And that's what I feel. I consider my, always considered myself 
a downtown, a city girl. I know every street in the city of Pittsburgh. I've walked on every street. But I hear from people that there, there's fear to go downtown. And I think that's just going to hurt our city so drastically. So I really think we need, and you talked about the police. I just received the FOP, number one, the oldest police union in the country. Yes, they were the first. The first. Congratulations. Let us be the first to congratulate you. Yes, I just received their endorsement. I met with them last week. And they have numbers on a board in their room. In 2020, there were 1,000 police officers in the city of Pittsburgh. Yes, I think it was March of 2020, between the officers on the street and in the uh, in the academy, there was a 1,000 officers. 1,000 yep. even. Today, there's 780. Then there's another board that has a number 229 with a circle around it. Mm-hmm. These are the ones who could, could retire. walk out, okay. retire today. And if that were to happen, that would leave us with less than like 550 officers right. in the city of Pittsburgh. So I think that is really what we're feeling downtown. And it's very sad to hear people say, I'm afraid to go to the theater anymore. I've had tickets for years, but even walking from the parking garage to the theater, it's scary. And my hairdresser even told me she went downtown to an event and actually witnessed an overdose. And uh, it was across the street from a fire department. And the firemen were giving them the Narcon. And then she was told by somebody that they pulled over to see if they could help. No, this is where all the addicts do their drugs because they know that they will be rescued by the firemen. It's like a, like almost like a catch twenty two or some kind of a right. weird scenario. Right, they know if they have an overdose. That they administer the, the, the fire. The firemen will administer, will administer Narcan, the, Narcan yes. automatically. But she said it was such a unsettling experience. I think I guess mm-hmm. that's the, the the most thing. So and also the homeless situation I think is getting out of hand. But I think what that leads to two things, or two, two, I shouldn't say leads to, the remedy for crime is really twofold. Number one is education. These students that are graduating from schools have to know how to read and write and get a job. And I think we're doing a disservice to pushing people through and talking about other issues that are not ABCs, math, and just the basics. We really need to... Right, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Arithmetic, right. like just... And I was even thinking, you know, there's all these baby boomers that are, that are retiring mm-hmm. now, but many of them, they still have a lot to offer. These schools need to be having mentoring programs for a couple hours a day. I think as boomers would love to go in there and teach some reading. And I even told uh, one, someone else the story. I went to a, my first grade had 64 kids in it. Probably 10 of us are still friends today. And one of our girlfriends told me, well, remember what happened when we were in first grade? Whenever we had a test, the teacher put all the kids who really passed in one row. The kids that did marginally good in the second row. The kids that didn't do well, they were in the third row. The kids that did really good mentored the kids that did almost good. Then the teacher worked on the ones that didn't get it at all. She said, that's how 64 of us learned how to read and write, because we were kind of divided up and conquered Mm -hmm. with each other. I said, that was really an amazing thing to do. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of this back to basics that I'd like to get to. But the the other big thing, the third is... Let me just interrupt you there for just a second, right? You're absolutely right. As we try to compete in the global economy today, Uh there's a lot of talk about kids learning STEM, okay? And STEM, it's a common abbreviation for four closely connected areas of study. They're talking about science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. 
you know, now these fields are often associated due to the similarities that they share both in theory and in practice. But if you can't read, you can't even begin to learn any of these, okay? So I absolutely agree with you that the failure for our schools to be able to effectively teach the students that are there and help get them through <clears throat> sets them back and it hampers them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, we're, we're just doing a disservice to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And the third thing is the, the jobs. Allegheny County has lost 50,000 jobs since 2017. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can we survive as a county without jobs? I mean, there has to be a push. I mean, I know years ago there was a thing called the economic areas where they would bring businesses in and give them tax incentives and certain things like that. I mean, that has to really be pushed for us here. Because growing up in McKees Rocks, there was so many jobs. I can just remember when a kid was graduating from school. All right, they come up, Tom, you know, Billy needs a job. Okay, let me see who's hiring down at the island, on Neville Island. Right. Whether, you know, it was this one or that one. And there were jobs, and these kids got jobs. And, you know, eventually, you know, they got married. They, they bought a house. They became good citizens. But I, I feel bad that there's not these manufacturing, like lower-level jobs where people could get into, learn a trade, and move up. Well, we have a, look, we have a lot of problems in this country, and in our community is just uh, suffering from some of the same uh, symptoms, you know, that's plaguing the rest of the country, okay? And when we talk about, you know, manufacturing jobs, we can talk about trade and what trade has done, you know, and when I say trade, unfair trade, what it's done to this country. We've seen uh, the opening up and allowing China, you know, to join our markets. How many manufacturing businesses have left here, you know, and migrated to China? And then now we're seeing that what's happening is a lot of companies after the pandemic and discovering how disjointed our supply chain is, want to bring back these businesses and onshore them. But, you know, the problem that we have is we need to have a skilled workforce to be able to provide them. And when you were talking about their few minutes ago, <clears throat> the 50,000 jobs that were lost here in the last five years. There's also folks are talking about 35 to 40,000 jobs that are out there that are currently unfilled. And a lot of the reasons for that is because our workforce hasn't been developed to the point where they possess the skill sets necessary to adequately fill those. <clears throat> so, you know, your focus on education is spot on that if we can take and actually teach these kids to be proficient in reading and math, we set them up to be able to learn STEM as they move into high school and things of that nature and to be prepared to, to, to move out into the workforce, you know, and try to take these jobs if these companies come back. And I think one of the things we need to do, and I know that you also endorse this, is we need to be able to take and try to sell and attract businesses to come back to this region, you know, and particularly your district, okay, and to provide jobs for the residents but we have to do it by showing them that we have a skilled workforce that possesses a great work ethic. Yes, I agree with that. And I think there should, you know, these students in high school can go into the trades and, you know, there can be programs set up for them, you know, like mentoring programs where mm-hmm. you, ment- you know, you follow somebody and mentor them and, you know, you, they can learn. And yeah. I just, I, I think that would help, that would help young people so much that I, I, people need a job. I mean, I just remember, remember that first paycheck. Mm-hmm. You well, know, we're there, there's <laughs> having right. that 20 or $30 in your pocket when your friends had like three, you know, yes. it was like, wow, you know, I have a job. <laughs> you know? Well, there's dignity in work. There's right. dignity. There's confidence. Mm-hmm. So I, 
I guess uh, if I could just leave you with a, a cute little story, maybe. Sure. Um, Three minutes for this segment, so. Okay, can I? Okay, <laughs> yes. okay, let me Go leave you a story. I was a salesperson at Verizon, but mm-hmm. people were calling up in 1999 and wanted this satellite phone from Motorola. I said, nobody is selling it in Pittsburgh. And I said, well, my, my clients want it. They said, would you fly to Chicago tomorrow for an interview? So I did, and I got the job. I sold the satellite phone in Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. And I had, um, it, I, I went and talked to the Mobay company, mm-hmm. you know, out there by the airport. They said, well, set up all the information for this satellite phone in our conference room because the chairman is coming in from Germany. You cannot be here, Aaron. You have to train the telecommunication manager. So I did, had it all set up, went three days later to pick up the equipment. I was holding like this uh, milk carton. And uh, I said, well, how'd it go? He said, no, pretty good. We got the purchase order to order one for every plant in the country. Wow. I think I made $30,000 that day in that minute. And I remember saying, Aaron... Act like this happens to you every day <laughs> and breathe. <laughs> so it can happen from selling a cell phone to a big contract, but it all comes from having a job. Oh, a- absolutely. So, you know, uh, folks, you're listening here to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. You just heard from Aaron Connolly Ottenwright, and this is your host, Sam DeMarco. We'll be right back after the break. Folks, welcome back to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, here. We're joined in studio by Aaron Connolly Ottenwright, who is the Republican nominee for Pennsylvania House in the State House 21st District. So, Aaron, we were talking in the last segment about some of the things that you were running on. You know, and you talked about how education is a, a big proponent or a big component of your platform what else in addition to education or is your focus on well i think my three main focuses are crime education and jobs i think they're the most important things that the state can do for the constituents of pennsylvania mm-hmm. so that would be my focus is on those areas okay and, and if someone i'm sorry i didn't mean and, and i'm a, a very goal-focused person. Mm-hmm. So when I have something that I'm after, I go at it full force. Okay. So let me ask you a question. So you, 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 I assume that this is a goal of yours, is to win this election on September 19th, correct? This is a goal of mine. I mean, I, I really feel I have a very, very good chance. A little statistic, I don't know if I can add any of this now, but, you know, this. The Sarah, when Sarah won the race, she had 20,000 votes. When Frank Perman, her the Republican um, candidate against her, received 11,000 votes. Mm-hmm. But a special election with our mayor, Ganey, in April of 2022, he only, there was only 5,000 votes cast that day. It was April of 2022. I've been told from the Republican committee in Harrisburg that a September special election will have less votes than an April election. That's absolutely true. Based upon past. So my goal is if Frank got 11,000, I have to get 6,500 votes on September 19th, 2023. And when I told that to the HRCC gentlemen, they told me I win. Huh? Well, it sounds like a reasonable goal. So what are you doing 
to reach uh, the, the voters in that district to try to win at least 6,500 votes on Election Day. Well, if anybody drives up Route 8, even John Delano said to me, I had just spoken, Aaron, to a friend of mine in Shaler, and he said, you're all over the town. <laughs> you're on every corner, and your flyers and your mail-in ballots are everywhere. Oh, that's great. That's great. I've had 150 signs put out. I have a special sign for Election Day. I had them specially made for Election Day with my picture, a little bit about myself, and a signature on mm-hmm. it. Because I feel Election Day, people see these signs, but they don't really see who they're voting for. And I can't be in all the precincts, but I'm going to have a special sign for that day. And um, we're going to use the last money that we have. Number one, we're going to use all the money that we have. But we're going to use the last of it to do a lot of text messaging to the Republican voters to really help us save our community. I feel this is the best chance we have to win the state house in a special election right now. Because the Democrats think they have it in a bag. But they don't. I've been a realtor for 18 years in Shaler. My name has been on every street. Mm-hmm. My husband was a school director in Shaler for years. We live in the house my husband was born in. So it's a well-known name, and Shaler is the largest district in this. The um, 21st district encompasses Shaler, Etna, Millvale, Reserve, which are all in the Shaler Area School District, plus parts of the city. We kind of go across the river right. a little bit. And that's all because of the redistricting. We all because of the redistricting. Mm-hmm. So I... I just have a feeling I have got a group that is working hard. I have support on both sides of the aisle, so to okay. speak. But I have neighbors that are emailing all their neighbors to vote for me. Okay, that's great. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm a very good representative for this district. I want to bring the seat back to Shaler. I want our office to be in Shaler. Mm-hmm. So if you know anybody... A friend that lives out there, if, if all the listeners could at least make a phone call, an email, text, to get out and vote on September 19th. I think, I said this once on a job interview, when Jerry Fontaine at Bell Atlantic Mobile said to me, Aaron, you're used to taking information from people. You can't be a salesperson to go out and get things done. I said, Jerry, if you hire me, you'll never regret it. I feel if the voters of the 21st District Hire me, they will never regret it because I will make a mark in Harrisburg. Well, folks, you heard it there firsthand from Aaron Ottenwright for uh, running for state house in Pennsylvania's 21st legislative district. If someone would like to help her, you have the ability to go out to her Facebook page at Aaron E R I N Ottenwright A U T E N R E I T H four F O R P A. If you go out to Aaron Ottenwright for PA on Facebook, you can learn more about Aaron. You can see her posts. There are a link there in which you can donate via WinRed to try to help her campaign. Aaron, we want to thank you so much for joining us today on The Elephant in the Room. Thank you, Sam. And thank you, all you voters out there. Absolutely. <laughs> now, John and Daryl, wasn't it great to have Aaron in the room here today <laughs> in studio to be able to tell us a little bit about her her reasons for running and what she hoped to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, I loved her energy. 
it helps to have people like in to be able to flesh out the story. You said that last segment. I mean, it's one thing to have a soundbite, and uh, she had mentioned before that she had done uh, an interview with John Delano at KTK. It was great mm-hmm. work. But it's also a soundbite. Uh, this is a little bit more long form. We're able to learn more about who she is, what she's all about, and her plan for uh, her plan for the region. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I hope I hope the voters and the listeners here to the show who live in the 21st district, or who, or who have relatives or friends or you know coworkers that live there, uh, please tell them about Aaron and uh, how she's a great choice for us for rep- for Republicans to represent us. In the tw- in the uh, Pennsylvania State House now, for the folks the listeners here, we didn't cover this in the interview. But one of the things is right now in Harrisburg, it's tied: 101 seats Democrat, 101 seats Republican. The winner of this special election will determine who has the majority in the House when the House returns on September 27th. So you folks have the ability to make a difference by going out and voting and supporting. Aaron Ottenwright for PA here uh, on September 19th. No pressure. No, yeah, no pressure, <laughs> right? <clears throat> Folks, we, we, we need your help. And again, I told you the opening of the show, we can't keep doing the same thing and sending the same people to Harrisburg and expecting different results. You know, Harrisburg right now is in gridlock. We need to be able to send Aaron there so that we can move legislation, we can get things passed, you know, we can get things done like getting voter ID, you know, on the ballot. You know, and, and I wanted to go back to something. Aaron talked about one of her key issues, John, was crime. And going back to the top of the segment here, I talked about, you know, uh, Judge Orenstein, who let that trafficker go, who possessed 450,000 doses of fentanyl. You know, that was that's over nine kilos. The Attorney General's office said that's enough to kill 35% of the population of Pennsylvania. 35%. And this guy didn't charge him or hold him with any bail? Just let this guy go? Folks, this is crazy. And then something else Judge Ornstein needs to answer for. When he was questioned by Channel 11, who did a report on this, and they said, why did you let this guy go? He said, oh, I released him on non-monetary bail at the request of the ACJ. And I can only assume he meant the Allegheny County Jail. Well, county officials rejected that and said, hey, the jail has nothing to do, you know, with bail or, or anything like that or disposition of or anything in court. So they sent it back to him. Uh, 11 investigates who did the investigation, they went to the attorney's general office and the county, and both the attorney general's office and the county said, ah, go back to his office and find out why he did this. So one, he did this, which is outrageous, you know, and two, I believe he's not telling the truth by trying to misdirect and claim it came from someone in the County when they obviously had nothing to do with it. So folks, this is important. You know, these off year elections, or they call them off year because they occur in odd years, but these matter just as much as every other election that we have and sometimes even more. You know, these judges that are ruling on these cases that are supposed to protect the community are setting these folks free because they're cowed by the left's assault on the criminal justice system. You hear it all the time. You hear it from the left, from folks on county council, like Bethany Hallam, 
You hear it from advocates like Tanisha Long, uh, abolitionist law center and the whole bit. They want it, All they do is stand up for the criminals and they want these folks let out of jail, but no one stands up for the victims. You know, who's protecting the people who've been harmed by the folks that are in the jail. These folks don't care. I certainly care. And that's why we'll continue to talk about things like this. As long as I'm here, as long as we're doing this show and folks, I hope that's for a good long time, you know, with your permission. So John, we got a lot of things going on here and we're excited about it. When we talk about the county executive race, I mean, here, uh, right before last weekend, Joe Rocky went up on the air with his first commercial and I've heard nothing but good news, uh, or but good remarks on it. I mean, good marks. People are very pleased with what they see. And I think this is important, you know, that Joe gets out and introduces himself, you know, to the people of Allegheny County. I mean, you know, he's running all over the county, but you can only meet so many people face to face. It's a real commercial. Like, you know, we, we, you've had him in, on here a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You guys obviously know him far better than I do. I've mm-hmm. known him by virtue of you bringing him in. The Joe Rocky we see on TV is the exact same Joe Rocky that sits in that chair when you guys bring him in for the, for the show. Absolutely. He's the exact same guy. Like, you couldn't tell the difference. He, exactly. He's There's authentic. No yeah. He's authentic, right? And I think that's what people are looking for. And again, when you talk about qualifications, you know, I mean, here's a guy, Joe Rocky, former chief risk officer for PNC Finance. He's managed thousands of employees. He's managed billion-dollar budgets, you know? And, you know, he, the guy is a true outsider, a true centrist, a moderate, but he's an executive. You know, and I make the argument all the time. I tell people, hey, this race isn't about Republicans versus Democrat or right versus left. What's happening is on November 7th, the people of Allegheny County are going to hire somebody to be their next county executive. Well, who better to take that role than someone who's actually been an executive, sat in the seat, and made decisions of this magnitude? Because let's face it, folks, this is the county executive role. It's known by many to be the third most powerful role in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. But it is a big job. Allegheny County consists of over 750 square miles. The county government, almost 7,000 employees. The total budget, including operating capital and grants and special funds, over $3.015 billion. And that was as of you know, last year uh, in December. <clears throat> um, folks, this is a big job, and it requires someone with experience. And Joe has all the experience necessary. His opponent certainly does not. You know, and you heard Aaron talk about crime. You hear me talk about crime. And you hear it every night when you tune into your evening news. Crime is on the agenda here. And what we have is we have someone like Sarah Inamorato, who's running, who has on the record is saying that no juveniles should be in the county jail. I mean, that's on the record. She's tweeted that out. She said that. Oh, I can tell you there are 22 juveniles last time I checked in the county jail. Two of them are being held for other counties. Eight of them are being held on the charge of criminal homicide. Two are on attempted criminal homicide. One's on rape. The others are on in for aggravated assault with a firearm. Now, if she doesn't want them in the jail, and she's also on the record for not wanting to reopen Schumann Center, I'd like Ms. Anamorado to tell us where exactly she would put these people. Folks, that's a question you need to ask. So we, it's enough that we have weak on crime judges here. 
and weak on crime elected officials in some areas who aren't staffing their police departments appropriately or allowing them to do their job. We certainly don't need a weak on crime county executive, and you folks can have something to say about that on November 7th. Now, John, another thing that she's bringing up, right? She wants to do a countywide reassessment, you know? And while she's saying this, at the same time, out of the other side of her mouth, she's telling people, well, it's not going to raise your taxes. And she talks about this scheme she has, like four different ways, increasing the homestead exemption, passing this loop legislation. Um, I'm trying to think of the other couple things she mentions, but it's like, let me confuse the issue. I'm going to raise everybody's real estate, it says values, but your taxes won't go up. Well, you know, the people of Allegheny County are too smart to believe that because they know when you're out there making promises of all these things that you're going to invest in, when you're out there on the record supporting a wage increase for even part-time and seasonal employees in Allegheny County to $20 an hour, that increase, which the county executive's office said would cost or would force us to incur a $30 million tax increase, when we're dealing with the thousands of property tax appeals that we currently have out here in Allegheny County, so many of them are commercial properties. You look at the office buildings downtown, where occupancy is just a fraction of what it was before the pandemic. You know, these folks are applying for uh, or appealing their assessed values. You know, it's somebody's going to have to make up the money that funds the government. And for her to try to tell folks, to try to tell the voters of Allegheny County it's not going to be them is disingenuous at best. So, folks, you know, you're hearing it from me here, straight talk. I mean, we got a lot of things that we have to do here. But on November 7th, we have to elect Joe Rocky, you know, in our entire slate of Republican candidates to office if we hope to take and turn this thing around because we can't afford more of the same. You know, and John, we've, we've had, I think all of our candidates have appeared on the show. We've had Bob Howard, who's running for control against Corey O'Connor. And, you know, Bob is certainly very experienced, having been the former treasurer of PPG Europe, being accountant, actually having, you know, having been a controller. And where Corey is the son of a former mayor, Bob O'Connor, and was a city councilman. His qualifications. You have the treasurer, you have Herb Olinger, who's been the treasurer of a number of organizations, currently our treasurer, is running against his opponent, who I believe has been unemployed for the last seven years and hasn't had a job, okay? Uh, folks, uh, I mean, hey, <clears throat> you have me, like, like me or not, but I'm running for county council at large, so you can vote for me or you can vote for Bethany Hallam for county council at large, and I can tell you that I stand up for our folks, you know, I support law enforcement. I stand up for the victims of crime, not the perpetrators of crime. As a matter of fact, on Thursday, I'm going down to the Center of Victims has an open house at their facility on the, on the south side, you know, to participate in that. Um, so we have a wide range of candidates, but they've all been on the show. Yeah. Our county council candidates, John, you know, Mike Imbrescia, you know, uh, Vice President of Business Development for Carnegie Robotics is running in District 5. You know, his opponent 
you know, this, uh, this guy from the Mike from the Bethel Park School Board that wants to allow men in the women's locker rooms or bathrooms. You know, we have uh, <clears throat> we have Suzanne Filiaggi running in District Two, and Suzanne, you know, the former uh, she's an attorney, former district assistant district attorney, district attorney's office, but you know has a, a great record. She's currently an incumbent, you know, representing District Two on County Council. You know, we have uh, Eileen Cunningham, who's running out, and I believe it's District 13? Correct. District 13. 11, 11, but yeah. Oh, District 11. I'm sorry. I mm. always get those confused. You know, that's what happens City. when you're at large. Yeah. There's just 13 numbers. You're not sure which one's which one, but she's running in District 11, okay? And she has a tough race, but she would be a great candidate to, to, to select there. And then you have our other candidate, Sean McGrath, running in District 6, you know, he's running against John Palmieri and Sean. I mean, Sean, for folks, he's an IT uh, IT person, IT manager with the United Steelworkers of America. And he would be an excellent uh, representative on county council. And Sam, I would add, there's a great opportunity to meet many of our candidates in person coming up here in uh, about a week's time as the RCAC uh, summer picnic. Why don't you tell us about that, yeah, John? It's, uh, it is on Sunday, September 17th at the in Cleaver Park in Robinson Township from 1 to 5. Uh, you can RSVP through our website or through our Facebook. or um, you, can, you can find the invite online here and RSVP. Okay, well. folks, so you heard it there. Our website's Allegheny.gop, and the Facebook page is Republican Committee of Allegheny County. You go there, you can sign up, and you can get be kept abreast and uh, up-to-date on all the events and the things that we have going on. And we love your help. I mean, hey, Folks, uh, you know, look, we're always looking for more volunteers. The committee has grown, but we have a lot of work in front of us if we hope to win the election this year. You know, so uh, you know, come to the website, sign up, volunteer. You can donate. Our link on the website is right there. So We should also uh, plug the uh, upcoming debate, county executive debates, too. September 28th, I believe it's 7 p.m., that one is on KDKA. I know the, the other second one is on October 3rd at W. TAE. Uh, TAE. I think there's a third one, but I'm, I haven't confirmed that. <coughs> yeah, I've been told there's a third, third one. I don't have all the uh, details information yet. But, too, but. but I think we did. If we yeah. didn't, we're going to take and post. Pittsburgh Works did what they called a virtual debate. And what they did is they were trying to take and sponsor debate. They we're having trouble getting a commitment from the Intermorado team. Okay. <clears throat> so what they did is they took the answers from the questionnaires that both candidates submitted, as well as they took video uh, snippets of their answers during the candidate forum, and they posted those for any to see. You'll be able to find that uh, in our newsletter and on our Facebook page, the Republican Committee of Allegheny County. It'll be interesting because what you'll see there, and we were just talking about the loss of 50,000 jobs. So you would think we want to attract as much business and jobs as possible. Yet Representative Aaron Murata wants to take and ban fracking in Allegheny County. Now, folks, really, no, no one wants to come into your neighborhood and frack, okay? <clears throat> but it is paying for a $1.5 billion new airport that's out there. And if that were to go away, that money were to go away, does that fall on the backs of the taxpayers? Yeah. It has paid for all the improvement in the nine county parks that we have, over 12,000 acres, which allow our residents and our, uh, their families to be able to enjoy. You know, where's that money going to come from if that goes away? And what about all the jobs that are associated with that industry? 
Also, you hear folks talk about a hydrogen hub, you know, and how the federal government has set aside over $6 billion to be dispersed to communities, you know, that are, are contesting or competing for the hydrogen hub. I know that we have filed an application here, wanting to bring it here, but she's against it and doesn't want the hydrogen hub here. She said that she would shut down the cracker plant if she could in Beaver County. <clears throat> and when you ask her, well, what, what jobs, where are you going to get jobs? She can't answer you. She says that she'll work with President Biden to get jobs. Well, that's working out fine, isn't it? Okay, yeah, tell the, tell the Keystone Pipeline workers that were laid off the first day he was took office about the jobs that were promised that have never been delivered. So, folks, I mean, I'm just throwing out a whole bunch of reasons here, reasons that you need to go and vote for Joe Rocky and our entire slate on November 7th. And, hey, you don't have to wait until November 7th. You can take and apply for a mail-in or absentee ballot, and I would highly encourage it. If you do so, you can vote from the comfort of your living room. If you're concerned and you don't trust a drop box or you don't trust the U.S. Postal Service to deliver a ballot, you have the ability to take it downtown and deliver it yourself directly to the Division of Elections. And you're able to track it, you know, via an audit trail, you know, electronically by giving them your email address. And so there's a lot of ways to participate here. There's no reason or no excuse for not weighing in because, folks, we live here. We're all going to take and suffer the repercussions of the results of this election. You've heard them say before, elections have consequences. Folks, if we don't want to suffer negative consequences, we need to do something about it. This is our opportunity. I think Joe Rocky is one of, if not, the most qualified person to ever run for this office. If we want to attract good candidates in the future, if we want our community to be a safe and welcoming community, we need to get out there and support our candidates. So folks, I don't know that I can say it any more forcefully or any better, but I thank you for joining us on the show, for listening to us, for listening to our guest, Erin Ottenwright, and supporting her and all of our great candidates on November, her on September 19th, and our other candidates on November 7th. Folks, until next week, this is your host, Sam DeMarco, signing off from the Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. Good day.